Blog Talk Radio. supernatural, the paranormal, horror, and fantasy, as well as sci-fi, can be brought to life in any number of forms. My best guest today, William Wrigler, does these and more through his work and his life, author of works such as Certain Shadows I Have Known and The Tales and Stranger Thoughts. Wrigler is also an actor and a tour guide of haunts in his hometown of Harvard Grace, Maryland, and he is our guest today. William, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I guess we should begin. Uh, we met nearly two years ago, and um, this uh, wonderful bookshop uh, in uh, in Harvard of Grace, Maryland. We all did like a, a Christmas event type of uh, book signing, and I've had a couple of uh, our our fellows on, and uh, I just remember having an awful lot of fun hanging out with everyone at that time. Yes, Washington Street Books is the place. Yep, movie cards. Washington Street Photographer Yeah. And, um, well, needless to say, it was like some connections got made there. I don't recall how much we sold, but um, I just remember having fun. So it was, uh, that was the best thing was to meet everybody. Um, I must ask, now, our respective hometowns, mine in Vermont and yours, they are the ones that definitely form us, and I think they do inform our creativity. Tell us first about your history and your upbringing, because that's the formative years are always the most interesting. I'd love to hear about them. Well, I was born in Habitat, Maryland, a small town on the Chesapeake Bay. Well, the Susquehanna becomes the Chesapeake Bay. So um, there was always a lot of water activity here and um, a lot of um, tourism and such. So that's where I got my start. And I have always been very um, interested in the supernatural. That's where I started with the ghost tours in Havity Grace. Well, I definitely want to ask you about that because there is so much history there. And uh, those kinds of things are always really, really cool. And they, they, they make such a great proving ground for rate, uh writing and so forth. Um, I always felt that what our parents read, watched, listened to, always had a hand in your, develop, your develop, in our development. Tell us about your, your family, the folks closest to you. What were they reading? What were they watching? And, and did they turn you on to anything in particular? Well, my family parents really wanted the supernatural. I sort of found my own way there via comic books and such writing fantasy fiction. So that's my mm-hmm. 
um, forte. At least with fantasy, you can just make everything up. Right. And, would, and, and well, what kind of comics, I have to ask? Well, I enjoyed the DC comics, which was Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, etc., plus Wonder Woman. And I also liked um, a little less the Marvel comics, which were X-Men and everything, the Avengers with Captain America and Iron Man. They are big in movies now, of course. Yeah, and um, in terms, I remember, excuse me, yeah, I remember the Marvel Comics group was the was the main thing. I was a big Spider-Man fan when I was a kid. Um, him, him, in particular, was the one I mostly gravitated to. It uh, kind of was at the mercy of whatever was on the rack at the local convenience store. I don't know how it was for you. Yes, well, luckily they had a good selection at the different stores, but I remember checking them all out. That's cool. And in terms of, like, the supernatural and paranormal and sorts, when did that really take hold, do you think? Well, I've always had an interest in it. When I was younger, I used to watch that TV program in sorts of and like that a lot about the um, ghost and such. Yeah, Leonard, when Leonard Nimoy hosted that for a lot of years, and um, yeah, it kept popping up. It kept popping up on, um, I think, A and E or something like that. And I used to watch a lot of the. Um, well, of course, I was a Star Trek fan, but I also loved the way he voiced the show and the way he sort of walked his way through it. But those episodes too, there were so many of them, were just so fascinating. Even as I grew, as I grew older, I found them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I know I go to the comic conventions and um, various um, conventions and they have the interest of TV program on DVD at them. Yeah, I think one of my friends bought the entire box or something like that. He was he was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Um, also with that... Um, in terms of book form, what what sort of authors got to you? Which ones were really interesting to you? Well, I always say my favorite authors are Ray Bradbury and H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. Especially the short stories of Ray Bradbury in, like, The Illustrated Man. And, um, um, oh, I can't remember the other one. But Martian Chronicles come close to being short stories. Mm-hmm. Well, and how about you, in terms of, like, your spark for writing? What got you to start working on your own? What got you to say, hey, I can do this, I can do this too? Well, it's kind of sad because I, at first, wanted to be an actor. And um, mm-hmm. I thought you had to write everything yourself. But then I realized that you actually had writers, actors, producers, etc. So that's sort of how I got into writing. <laughs> but um, I used um, all the genres from fantasy to science fiction 
the horror and my um pen name for some is um Adam Dust. Mhm. Well, I definitely want to ask you about that. Um Firstly, um, there's another thing, too. Uh, in terms of education, um, you went to the Broadcasting Institute of Maryland. Now, I went to school for broadcasting as well. Uh, what's, what brought you there? What, what guided you in that direction? Was it the acting or, or something other? Well, it was a really good school, and it gave me some experience with filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. At first, they really didn't have much in the way of the um, filmmaking around you at two-year colleges. So I enjoyed the um, broadcasting institute, saying life's camera action, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of work did you do in particular? Did you have? Tell us about your coursework and uh, what kind of projects did, did you do. TV productions, mm-hmm. and we made a few commercials and radio spots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about like, um, did you did you make any films? Did you do any short movies? We we had to we had to do one if I remember right for my TV production class or something of the sort. <laughs> no, we didn't really do any films there. I think we did oh. like six or seven commercials which took on a filmic aspect, but okay. no will film production. Okay. But you did move on then to the New York Film Academy. Now, this, this sounds fascinating to me because I've never done anything of this sort. Tell us about how you went in that direction, how you got there. Well, again, it's the same thing. It was basically film production I was interested in. And... Um, there, I did get a chance to make some short films, and um, it was only like 60 seconds or two minutes for the short films, but it was a good experience and a chance to use all the different equipment and to work on your story technique. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us about, like, your your. You know, every place I've been, I've been fortunate to have great teachers and that sort of thing. Did you have anybody that really stood out as a mentor or as an instructor for you? Well, everyone at the Broadcasting Institute was pretty good. And um, at the in colleges, at the two-year college, I had a writing instructor named H.H. Morris, who was very... Um, powerful with his experience and his writing techniques. Mm-hmm. And was there anything about his style or his way that really stood out that, that, that maybe pointed you in a direction? Or maybe he did he open a door? Did he see something that you didn't see in your own self? Well, I don't know about that. But he had a very direct style that I sort of mimicked. And um, mm-hmm. it was um, important to just get your story and ideas down, which I accomplished there. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your first book, if I'm if I've got this right, "Summon Secrets." 
Um, tell us where this began for you when you finally started assembling this and putting it together. Tell us about that. Well, Someone's Secrets was the first book I put out from Lulu.com, and I did everything on that. I wrote it, edited if you can call it, but I won't take the blame for that. And um, <laughs> even did the cover art, um, did some photography with friends. And um, it's basically just all the church stories I had that I kept getting told was very good when I sent them out, but not quite right for us, so I put them together as a collection or anthology of short stories covering science fiction, fantasy, and the horror. So it has a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And... How long did it take to put those together, or, or shall we say, write them? I assume those just sort of came over time. Was there, was there just a period of uh, of writing for you during then, or what? Yes, I um, just wrote, and like I said, all of my um, writing have a filmic quality to it, and according to others, could be made easily in the films or such. So um, that's how they come out of my head. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's how I do it as well. Uh, I got a very interesting, oh God, 30 years ago, I got this very interesting question on a science fiction novel that I'd written, which went nowhere. And a friend of mine who was a television broadcaster said, you know, she was reading the first part of it and she said, I have a question. She says, do you see this as potentially a film? And I said, Yes, I think so. And she said, write it that way. And I didn't realize until some years later that that is how I write. I write in a visual style. It's like I see this as a film, so I'm describing what I see. And do you do you write with the mind of these could be films, short films, that kind of thing? Yes, usually they. Um, I have hopes of the Dippy made into short films. And um, last year, friends who have film capabilities, I made one of my ideas into a short film. Okay. What's the name of that one? I'd like to see it. Um, It's called Zombie Love. And it okay. is available on YouTube. All right. Zombie Love YouTube. That's cool. Um, here's the thing, too. When you were... Did you actively were you actively seeking a publisher or for your stories? And if so, what were you what kind of feedback were you getting before you did a self publish? Well, I did seek publishers, but like I said, usually I always got it's very good, interesting, but not quite right for us. So that's when I went ahead and just did it on my own. And currently mm-hmm. I am working on a new book that is to come out from a um, publisher. Okay. And what's that about? It's called The Midnight Mansion, and it's a supernatural horror thriller about a house where it is always midnight when one looks out the windows. So it has a time warp kind of connected to the location. 
All right. I may come back to that before we go, just to remind folks. But um, that being said, um, the the book that got me uh, interested after our book signing and all of that, and when I started thinking about uh, who I wanted as guests, uh, Certain Secrets I Have Known, this is really a, a fascinating one. We court it, we kind of, the story kind of follows a hitman, and he seems to shift in and out of the paranormal. Tell us about yeah. this one, because this was, this was something I really enjoyed reading. Well, that is my um, first one from Rollinville book, and it's my favorite. But it's a story of a supposed hitman, although he's a specialist in the supernatural field. But he doesn't really believe in it. But for a few extra dollars, he'll do the job as commissioned. But um, mm-hmm. strange things start to happen, and he believes to begin that the um, assignments may have a paranormal aspect to them. So he has to um, defeat the... Um, assignments as well as understand what is happening around them because the supernatural world comes into play. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked, it felt like a film noir as I was reading it, only with these twists. Yes, it was and... funny because it was put out by Rowan Rill, which is a British mm-hmm. publisher. And at one point, the... Um, the leader of the veteran sends instructions followers to grab their pieces and follow him. And they um, asked me what pieces he's talking about. And I had explained that he meant guns. Mm-hmm. And tell us about, like, this guy was such a complex character. And I mean, it's like it, you should, your lead probably should be, but where did he come from in terms of like, how, how would you describe his makeup? What kind of a guy is he really? Well, he um, gets a job done when he has to one way or the other. And he doesn't necessarily believe in what he's doing, but he'll go through with it. So um, he always has a reason to um, get through what he has to. And even though he doesn't believe in it, he still accomplishes what he must. Mm-hmm. And there are also the, the really interesting characters that came along through it. You know, it's like, you know, he's got clients, he's got, you know, the nemesis of, of different characters. Um how did they come to you as you were putting the story together? Uh, do they just – and that's the thing I've always loved to ask about is character development. Where does this guy come from? Like, well, does, who did he – Who? Are you, yeah, tell me about him. I imagine. And every character he meets is imagined when um, he comes into contact with them. But usually they don't last so long too long. Mm-hmm. That is true, it seems. But uh, how about the building of the characters? 
you know, as you're creating them, setting them up, is there uh, a method to that for you? Um, I mainly just try to have the characters be lifelike and to have a backstory they can relate to and the reader can relate to. Mm -hmm. And do you, you know, I, I try very hard never to base a character on one, one or two people. It's like, as I'm creating, it's like sometimes I get a visual of what a person looks like or what they might sound like. Mm -hmm. And they often remind me of people I know, but it's like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make someone so obvious. Um, how do you um, make them differentiate? Do you, do, you look, do you look at different people you know, or do you just uh, do you see different things? How, does they, how do they come about? Well, some of my characters are based maybe physically or mentally on some people I have encountered. But usually I just make them up. And the lead character is sort of based on my own and ideas as to what to do. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And uh, the the thing too is is his uh, his journey. You're talking about how he doesn't really believe in what he sees or what he's experiencing, but he goes through with the work because it's what he does. Uh -huh. There seems to be a transformation in him. I don't want to give it away. There's a transformation in him. Does it change his belief system, do you think? Do you think that there's a growth for him? Yes, I would hope of... so. Right. And um, yeah. he becomes more, um, well, religious is the wrong word, but more um, confident in the belief system he holds. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, yeah, so he does move forward. That's cool. Um, I have also to ask you about another of your works, Terror's Taste. This was another mm -hmm. interesting collection. Tell us about these. Well, Terror's Taste is my first book, and um, myself and the blister did really get along extremely well. So I'm mm -hmm. happy, though, with the way it came out. It's a vampire novel, and it places between um, Jack the Ripper and present day, as well as mm -hmm. some Atlantis blown it, and it goes back and forth in the time streams. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the most it, important part is the okay. um, Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And the the purpose that serves? Tell me about that. Um, the Atlantis scenes are the um origins of the vampire. Okay. Now does that I'm not a huge reader of, of the genre myself. Is this something that was did you find a what did you set out to make this one different? from the genre, the, the, you know, the Anne Rice and that kind of thing? Or did you follow any kind of a path with that? I'm, I'm interested in that. Well, hopefully it's a little separate. But um, I mainly just had a plot I liked and followed that through. And um, it's more about the characters, including one of them who turned into Jack the Ripper. 
in London, 1888. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, that's a fascinating period that is still debated as to who he might have been or what he might have been. And uh, and that's cool. Um, Not to move on too quickly, but I must also talk about the short novel that uh, you did under the name Adam Dust, Masters of the Alpha Crystals. Now, this was science fiction, and it Mm -hmm. was a tale that left me wanting an awful lot. It, well, it left me wanting more, which was the cool thing. Tell us about this. Is this was this felt like straight science fiction? Tell us about the origins of this one and and what what is happening in it. Well, Masters of Alpha Crystals is kind of based on some cartoons that I saw you long ago, and uh-huh. sort of formed my imagination, and um. I think that the idea behind it, as well as the new name, has some basic biblical ideas to it. Because I use the name Adam Dust. Adam is the first man. Dust is dust to dust. So, there you have that. And the um, story transpires on Earth after it reaches an apocalypse-like state. And the um, few survivors who journey beyond the stars and base off against intergalactic characters. So mm-hmm. it is written so that there could be a sequel eventually if um, it is desired. Few of mine are like that. Well, that's the other thing. That's for me is the same thing. I try never to end a story sometimes because I sometimes feel like there's more there. So I would leave the door open for the next thing. I felt that you did that. Um, I mean, this, and the thing too is it's a, it's a nice quick read. It's only about 92 pages or thereabouts. And um, when do you get that question? Is there going to be another? Will we see these people again? Do you get that often? Well, I haven't really discussed that possibility a lot so far. Usually, I just sell the books at events and stuff, and I hope that people who buy them like them. But um, I have seven books out so far, and I'm working on two more. And they're all independent books so far. They um, Mm -hmm. have characters that are on their own, not continued from one book to the next. So we'll see what happens. All right. Now, we must also talk about some of your other work. You uh, also work uh, in film. You've had a couple of acting roles here. Uh, I noticed... uh, you were in Trailer Park of the Living Dead. Tell us about how you got into the project. Well, in Trailer Park, the um, people who made it were friends of mine. So um, they were looking for local people around the area to appear as zombies. So I was a zombie in that. And... Um, <laughs> It was odd because on the first day, they put the makeup on it and everything. And they had some children zombies, too. So um, they had me send over our 
had a wall. Well, we were getting made up, and um, the they said for one of the children to go over there and send by the creepy guy, and I was the, the creepy guy at that point. <laughs> but I love the name of the um, star of the film, who is a female impersonator named Bambeth Bombshell, the plus-size goddess of gore. So that really <laughs> filled out her name. And uh, how much how much work did you do, uh, or how long how long did the project take? Because I've, I've done film work, and sometimes there's a lot of hurry up and wait. How how long a project was it? I was only on the scene, I think, two days, and um, okay. I'm not sure how it was overall. Because, like I said, I was just a zombie extra. Okay. Usually, and I there's another extra. Right. Okay. Now, also, you were in a film called Mortal. You played a vampire in this one. Mm-hmm. Next Tell me about vampire. <laughs> but I leave oh, all right. My was warm up, and I got to wear clothes that were wet. In fact, in the zombie film, I'm kind of a neat freak. So um, I was the one zombie they made it through all the um, destruction with clean shoes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and was that by design or, or what? It's avoided all mud and blood patches on the ground. Okay. But That's cool. It's funny. We went to different places to film for that. Yeah. And some of the um, zombies put their hands on the um, car, and they were like blood handprints on it. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, in terms of this, um, are you are you actively seeking other work or any of anything like that? Are we going to be seeing you on the screen again? Well, I would have put it, but I'm not really planning. There are still a couple of short films I would like to make from my writings. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, another thing you do in Harvard of Grace, and uh, I have a friend who does these tours in Salem, Massachusetts, of the witch hauntings and some of the sites of interest. Um, you do you're, you do some tours in Harvard of Grace. Tell us about these. Well, it is funny because um, when we go out through the different houses to talk about the history of the ghost scene there, um, usually they always the stories always talk about strange light scene and everything. So I have said that the town either had the most ghosts on the ghost or the worst electricians. I don't know which it is. Mm-hmm. And how long a tour is this? Well, it's funny because it's supposed to be an hour tour. But um, the first night, I came back a little early. So the person who ran the tour wanted to talk to me. And he said about how it did actually want an hour. Like, it's supposed to that I have to watch that. 
and um, there's been two ladies walked by me and thanked me for the toy, the toy and gave me a few dollars tips. And um, hmm. the leader of the tour then just looked at me and said, just keep on like you're doing, you're fine. <laughs> That's cool. And and what what are the tell us about the points of interest for for those who have not visited yet or and would like to do a tour of this kind. How many places do you go? That sort of thing. Totally do it now. I um think they still have it usually around Halloween time or a couple of weeks. And um, mm-hmm. it is interesting. They have like the um where we're to act that are supposedly haunted in town because it has the um, body of Lincoln transported on it. And you can see ghosts on the anniversary when it came through town, which was, I believe, April after he died. And then um, they also have the Seneca House in town, which is the oldest... um, house in the town have the grace was supposedly established right after the Revolutionary War. And there was a famous murder in the Senate house, I believe. And depending on who you listen to, the um, person who was killed was hung out the window, strangled, or was killed by razor blades. And in some stories, he kept, like, pet alligators in the house. Mm, okay. And um, is there any stories around the region of, of the hauntings, such as do people, are there regular sightings? Has anybody seen anything of, of that um, would be of note to you? Well, it's funny on one of the toys I gave the people come along and they um, bring cameras or whatever. Like one mm-hmm. person bought an EVP meter and I let them use it. And they said it started going off. And I said, well, I don't know what's causing it. And I said, it could be the um, telephone bowl over there or something, or call radio, or something else. But um, it is interesting. On one of the roads, well, it intersects Happy Grace was a big town for the um, sports in the um, early days of the 1900s. And there was an incident where a... um, FBI, well, I'm not sure if it's FBI agent, but the law enforcement agents um, met up with some uh, gambling men, crooks, mm-hmm. um, in a street, in a back street, and shots were exchanged. And one of the um, gamblers supposedly was killed by gunfire and supposedly his blood was still on the street and he haunts the area and whenever a person about it 
the um, EVP meter went off. Hmm. So I really don't have any clue as to what is going on all the time. And certainly the, the, the stories and the history of the town and its pivotal spot. Do you think that maybe the close proximity to the bay or to the river has something to do with it as well? I I know nothing about these kind of things, but I've, I, you hear about lights on the water and the, the flat, you know, the, sort of that kind of thing. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Well, possibly. Water does supposedly have a force with the power of world, and um, mm-hmm. that can affect what you see. Because um, I think there are three spots in the heavy race that have haunted histories oh, um, in the area of heavy race. One is heavy race. One is a Hollingsworth house in Cecil County where ghosts have been seen and such. And um, that, too, is on the water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I guess the next question for me as we get here is uh, what is next for you? You have indicated Midnight Mansion is a new work, and you're working on some other projects. Tell us about them. Well, the Midnight Mansion, I have started to rewrite and completed one for a new publisher, plus two other books I'm working on. One is called Horror Legends. And it's about a um, metal rock band that um, is reunion tour after um, they had an end to their previous gig when there was um, a murder of several groupies. And um, they um, are going out again. And one of their members is killed. So the tagline for that is 20 years ago, Ruby started to meet the band. Now it's the band's turn. The other <laughs> um, short novel I'm working on is called The Zombie Effect, and it is about a um, prison attempt to um, nurse more controllable and sort of turns them into zombies. Hmm. And where will we where will these come out when they when they are ready? Well, I'll have to find publishers, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. And I guess um the one other thing that I always like to ask as we wrap up is uh, what advice would you give to aspiring authors or just other authors who maybe are trying to figure out where to go next? What would you say to them? Um, write what inspires you, not necessarily what you think will sell, but um, write something that you feel positive about. All right. Well, listen, William, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and thank you for being on the show. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, and thank you for having me. 
Our guest today has been William Rigler, author of numerous works such as Certain Secrets I Have Known, Masters of the Alpha Crystals, and others. Look for The Midnight Mansion and others coming along. I'm your host, Tori Gates, author of Call It Love, the latest chapter of the Sweet Dream series. My other works, including Searching for Roy Buchanan, A Moment in the Sun, and Live from the Cafe, can be found at sunburypress.com, Amazon, and ask for it at your favorite independent bookstore. Thank you for being with us. This is the BookSpeak Network. Thank you.